Today we are in part four of a five-part series. Uh, I'm calling this like our summer series. It's the month of July. But the series is called It Takes Courage. It takes courage to face a lot of things in life, right? A lot of things that cross our paths, it, it takes courage to deal with them. I know for me, I wouldn't be able to deal with half the stuff that crosses my path if I didn't have Jesus in my life. The wisdom to be a husband and a, and a father, a pastor, to handle our finances, make decisions. I involve Jesus in all of that stuff. And if he wasn't there, half of that stuff, I'm not too sure how well I would do it. And so a couple of weeks ago, we started this series out with, it takes courage to stand for the truth. And then Paul Diani had the, the wonderful topic, it takes courage to keep going when times are tough. And I, and I loved what he said about Job. You know, Satan, when it came to God, and you know, he's like, have you seen, you know, you know he wanted to, to, to beat up on Job or somebody of God, and God said, have you seen my servant Job? He's blameless. You know, and I love the part where Paul said, put your name in there. What if God bragged on you like that? Yes. And then last week, Nathan Flieger talked about the courage it takes to follow our calling. And we started this year out with a series, and even a little bit last year, I really felt like God wanted me to press into the fact that before we are born, before each one of us is born, God has a purpose for us. It's our calling in life. Our calling is much deeper than, than our career or our family or, 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 or anything like that. It's, it's, it's spiritual. It's kingdom stuff. All of that stuff is a part of your calling. It, it, it's all kind of wrapped up into that. But being kingdom-minded is the calling that God has put on our lives. And there's a couple of things. You know, I'll, I'll listen to some theology that might be a little bit skewed. There's... there's there's people out there that believe that, you know, they'll, they'll preach that, that there is no hell. Uh, there's people out there that will preach all kinds of stuff. And there's people that like to argue the Bible and, and debate about, you know, what they're reading. And, you know, I'm just not really good at that. It's really not my thing. But there are a couple of things that I will go to my grave and argue about. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And life begins at conception. That's it. I know sometimes there are some murmurings that people don't understand or, or no, people don't know what my political views are. My political view is this, I don't like politics. <laughs> Whoever can get the job done, get it done. But you know what? Life begins at conception. Otherwise, why would the Bible not speak so much about a purpose that is on our life before we are even born? And so I understand I understand that, that there are lives that are conceived out of really, really, really horrific events. I get that. There are lives that are conceived that, that are not fully developed lives. But, but here's the thing, that even I don't understand, but I have come to terms that I need to understand it. Who is the one who gives life? God gives life. So God chose to give a life out of a horrific situation. I don't know why. Everybody's messed up in the head over that. But there is a life that God had a purpose for out of that, that if that life was born and given the chance to live, 
It could carry out its purpose in life and possibly help others in the same situation that that life was given. See what I'm saying? So we all have a purpose. We all have a calling. It seems like, you know, well, why does it take courage to follow my calling? Well, maybe because your life didn't start out the best. And your purpose in life isn't fully, doesn't fully come to fruition until you put your faith in Jesus and you begin finding out what it is that is kingdom-minded that God wants you to do while you're going through life. And so there's something, though, that we all have, some more than others, that can get in the way of that purpose that God has for us. You know what they are? Faults. We all have faults. But the question is, what are we doing with them? So today what we're gonna talk about is the courage it takes to face our faults. That's the one that I chose for myself to come back to. (laughs) <laughs> I started reading my notes when we, were, when we were kind of driving back, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And then I was like, oh, no. But you see, faults aren't necessarily sins, all right? And I'm not even going to say that they're flaws, but they are a weakness in our character, okay? We all have them, right? Have you ever filled out an application or something that says, list your pros, list your strengths, and your weaknesses? Well, gosh, I don't think I have any. And then you're like, well, I don't want to put that one down or that one or, you know, well, I, you know, I, mm. don't we always just kind of, oh, just kind of make that side look a little nicer. But here's the thing. They're not necessarily sins, but if left unchecked, they can turn into sinful behavior. And, and, but mainly, though, today what we're going to be talking about is habits, mannerisms, responses, reactions, mood swings, attitudes, things that we don't even realize we're doing that may be harmful to those around us. A fault can also be looked at as a crack in our character. It's a fault line. And when the pressure comes, when the pressure in life or the pressure at work or the pressure at home comes, that fault line begins to crack and stuff comes out, right? And once it's out, it's like squeezing all the toothpaste out of a tube. You can't get it back in. You can apologize and you can do this and that, but it's not, it's, it's out there. Again, they're not necessarily sins. But just so you know, when God was establishing his ways with the Israelites in the book of Leviticus, when he's he's doing all the, the laws and the things that he wanted the Israelites to adhere to, to separate them from all the other nations that they were living with. In Leviticus chapter four, he has an entire chapter on how they are to deal with unintentional sins. Well, what you, what, how could it be a sin if I didn't know I was doing it? Well, God says, well, exactly. You didn't know, but it's something that I didn't want you to be doing. 
but I understand that. What that tells me is that God understands that we have faults. God understands that we will do things that we didn't know we shouldn't be doing. We didn't know we shouldn't have acted like that or done that. And so what does he do? He gives us a way out. He gives us a second chance. But we must not mistake that for a free pass to keep doing what we're doing. God expects us to deal with our faults and our behaviors when we realize we shouldn't be doing them. See, if we don't have the courage to face our faults, we'll constantly be digging ourselves out of a hole that we always seem to find ourselves in, wondering how in the world did I get in this place again? Because we're not facing our faults. And the thing about, here's another thing about faults, all right? They're not gonna keep us out of heaven. But they can keep somebody else out of heaven. See, if a follower of Jesus has faults or, or cracks in their character, right? And they've given somebody a, a bad experience of a Christian then that person may not want anything to do with that Christian, with church, with Jesus. So we've got to deal with this stuff. Recognizing and facing our faults is one of the hardest things to do because it means that we need to take a close look at ourselves. That's why we need to read the Bible as much as possible. I, I tell you every day, but, you know, life gets busy, and sometimes we can't get to it every day, but we need to because the Bible is a mirror. It exposes us for who we really are. And if we see that, and if we're honest with ourselves, we'll make that change. We'll understand what needs to be arranged or rearranged or changed or whatever in what we're doing. And the thing is, God wants to help us build up the courage to do this. His word kind of makes it easy for us to see this. Because in James chapter 3, here's what James says. Indeed, we all make mistakes. It makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> doesn't say, Chip, you make a lot of mistakes. It says we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. The rest of that chapter, James talks about how basically our mouths get us in a world of trouble. <laughs> and then there's 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. See, so God knows we're going to make mistakes. We're, we're not perfect. But we cannot ignore it either. We must examine ourselves from time to time. You know, I, I constantly... I'm constantly critiquing myself. We, we, we should be our own worst critics. 
But as soon as the sermon is up online, I watch it. Not to watch myself, but to look at, I have mannerisms. I have things that I do, and I'm like, oh, you look like a goofball when you do that. Don't do that. I have a, a, a look on my face that, that sometimes I'll catch it in a reflection. I'm like, who, who are you going to punch? Put a smile on your face, Chip. But I do, and I, it's just an intense look. And a lot of times when we go on a mission trip in Brazil, I'll see these pictures that other people take, and I'm like, my goodness, way to preach the gospel. Like, I just, I just, I, but you know what? I kind of look at that as a little bit of a fault, like because, you know, people could say, oh, why is he so mad? I did have somebody ask me that, like, why? I couldn't tell when you were in a bad mood or not when we were on that mission trip. I was like, no, that's just me. I was probably just thinking, you know, about Kim, you know, and, and I was having good thoughts. I was having good, <laughs> I was, I was having good thoughts, but I was just like, hmm. <laughs> That's a fault of mine, too. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll make up for that later. But you know, and sometimes, how about this? We have a tone in our, I know that I have a tone, right? Sometimes I have a tone and I, I hear about it, especially from Kim. <laughs> I'm gonna hear about it later too. I'm gonna hear about a few things, but I'm gonna keep going. But you know, I consider these faults for myself. I'm telling you that I recognize these things and I work on them. I'll, I'll never say, well, that's just the way I am. You're going to have to deal with it. But, but I try, and those are two faults of mine that, that I haven't quite gotten, you know, but, but I work on them. So when we examine and test ourselves under the light of Jesus, our faults will show up. We have to be willing to put ourselves out there. We have to be willing to expose ourselves to our Savior. And when you do that, it's like this. Like, I'm probably going to make a trip here soon to the jewelry store. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't the, don't the diamonds and the gems and everything look really, really nice when you're there and they're really like shining and then you get home and you open it up under the incandescent light and you're like, wow, oh, it doesn't look, is this the same one that I bought? Well, they have special lights, you know, to make those things look good. But it exposes them for really what they really should look like under a certain light. And under a certain light, Jesus, things get exposed much more than if we weren't looking at them under the light of Jesus. See, the light that Jesus provides will expose our faults more than we want. But... It's okay because he has a purpose for that exposure. Recognizing our faults, as we can see in 2 Corinthians, is the beginning of genuine faith. See, the worst thing we can do is deny it. Or when somebody brings it up, get defensive. Or when it's brought up again, blame somebody else. You know, if everybody around you is grumpy and kind of snappy, 
it might not be everybody around you. It might be you making them grumpy. If you're constantly apologizing for things, wondering why am I always apologizing for things, it might be because you need to take a look at what you're doing that's causing you to have to apologize for things. Again, these aren't necessarily sinful behaviors, but they're things that we have in our character, they're cracks in our character that can harm those around us and harm our witness for Jesus. When we recognize them and face them, it's the best thing to do. Because here's the thing, church. We all have them. Every single one of us has them. So we may as well deal with them. And the test of genuine faith is not that we become the perfect person. The true test of genuine faith is that we are willing to be perfected. See, Jesus sees us as a perfect creation in him. But I'm not too sure if anybody in here, or at least I'll speak for myself, I have a hard time raising my hand in a room full of people and saying, I am perfect. <laughs> I'm perfect. But I can say, I am being perfected in Christ. Genuine faith is that we are willing to be perfected from one day to the next by the leading of our creator, our savior, Jesus. And this is what makes our faith in him genuine, authentic, real. And it isn't easy. But here's the thing. People aren't looking for the perfect person to go through life with them. I don't want the perfect person to lead me through things because there isn't one. People are looking for honest. They're looking for honesty. They're looking for authenticity. They're looking for genuineness. When people come to church that don't know Jesus, you know what's funny? Here's, here's a funny thing. People who don't know Jesus are looking for authenticity. People who do know Jesus are looking for another church that's perfect. And then they find out it's not. And then they get upset. And they go to another church. Authenticity. Honesty. That's what people are looking for. Genuine people who follow Jesus are willing to say, I'm not the perfect person, but I am willing to face my imperfections as Jesus perfects me along the way in life. Now, somebody who says that, I'm going to hang out with, and we can be, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. We can walk through life with each other. It's kind of like this. It reminds me of a story. There was a guy, he was at the doctor's office, and he was kind of getting up there in age, but, you know, still pretty spry, and he had, he had a good checkup. He says to the doctor, he says, Doc, he says, I think my wife is losing her hearing. He says, really, what, what gives you that idea? He says, well, because when she's not facing me, she can't hear anything I'm saying, and when she is facing me, it seems like she's struggling to hear me. And he says, oh, okay, well, yeah, it could be. Well, here's what you do, all right? 
When you can, if you can come into a room with her back facing you, say something to her, and if she doesn't respond, say it again, move a little bit closer, say it again, same tone, same volume, and, and when she starts to respond, figure out about how far away you are from her and come back to me and I'll give you an idea of whether or not it's just, you know, it's a simple age thing or maybe she is losing her hearing. So he's like, okay, that sounds good. And he goes home and she's in the kitchen chopping up carrots and he comes into one. He says, sweetheart, um, what's for dinner? Nothing, just chopping carrots. So he takes two more steps forward. He says, sweetheart, um, what's for dinner? Chopping up carrots. He does this again. And then the fourth time, he's like right beside her. And he says, sweetheart, um, what's for dinner? And she says, for the fourth time, beef stew. (laughs) 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 But isn't it funny how we always think it's the other person and not us, right? Who does it say we are to examine in 2 Corinthians chapter 13? Ourselves. I am way out of line if I start examining my spouse or my children or my coworkers or my neighbors or my friends. That's not my job. I examine myself and make sure that I'm in line with the scriptures. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. This is what what the word of God tells us as followers of Jesus we are to do. So why do we get all worked up when it comes to facing our own faults that we have such a hard time doing this? We'd rather find a fault in someone else than deal with our own shortcomings in life. Again, faults aren't necessarily sins, but if left unchecked, they can unintentionally damage the relationships of those that we're in, which may have consequences when it comes to sharing Jesus with others. I want to read this, a passage from uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, Chapter 12, we'll start in verse 3. Because of the privilege, and this is uh, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Rome. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. See, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself about what it is that Jesus wants to shine some light on. We can fool ourselves into thinking that everything is good. But we can't fool Jesus. And we can only fool ourselves for so long until things start falling apart. As followers of Jesus, what this passage tells me, a couple of things. One of them is, we're all in this together. 
The moment we said yes to Jesus, we became a part of his kingdom. We became a part of something he's doing. And he's got families all over the world in different churches. We're a church family here within Vineyard Community Church, which is a little family within a big family of the Vineyard Association. We all are in this together and we all have a specific role in God's kingdom that makes the entire body of believers complete. See, everybody in here has something to do within the kingdom of God that makes the body complete. That's, that's your purpose. That's your calling in life. And this is another reason for us to be genuinely authentic when examining ourselves through God's word, through the lens of God's word. Because when the Holy Spirit highlights a fault of ours, we need to follow his lead. Let's go back up to uh, verse 2 right there. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Oftentimes, I think we read this verse and we, and we equate it to a new believer. But that verse right there should be with us with our entire Christian walk with Jesus. That transformation process is a never-ending process. As we become better people in Jesus, as we become better people on this earth, as we get older and we go through different chapters in life, we have different transformations, we have different things that we have to deal with, and God is constantly refining us and changing us and transforming us into the person that he created as we go through life. Genuine faith is having a heart that allows God's Holy Spirit to highlight the fault lines in our character and following his lead in the transformation process of that change. And those faults that we might not know we have often come by the way of the voice of another person. And it might not be the way you wanted it to come but you haven't realized what you were doing. And finally, somebody was like, I've had enough of this. <laughs> or they said, hey, can we have a talk? It very well could come from reading the Bible. It could come from doing a devotion. It could come from some worship time or sitting here in a sermon. Or it could be some inner conviction that the Holy Spirit is really working on you and you're kind of fighting it and, and finally you just you give in. And you make that change. But more times than not, I believe God will use somebody else to point these things out. Because we often have a hard time seeing them. But regardless of how God highlights our faults, we need to be open to the transformation process. We have to be, church. Sometimes, like I was saying earlier, if you feel like you're being attacked and, and, and you feel like you're, you're, you're you just, you, maybe, maybe you feel like you don't fit into the church, it could be that the enemy knows that and he's pulling you away. It's not that you have faults, but it's that you're not connected. And it's when we make those connections that sometimes those faults get exposed because we hang out with people who care about us. 
and they have the heart to say something to us. And they do it out of love because we're in the church family. And here's why all of this is so important. We're kind of rounding third and coming home. Here's why everything. This, this is the most important part and the reasoning for this particular sermon today. You ready? God's goal for us in life is not leisure. It's likeness. It's for us to become more like him, more like his son, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says to imitate God in everything you do. Unfortunately, many people put their faith in Jesus with this idea that he's going to make everything better. My friend said that Jesus was the best thing that happened to him, and, and my life's a mess, so I'm going to go to church and give my life to Jesus, and everything's going to be great just like his life is. And then we find out it isn't great. Eventually, Jesus will make it great, but we have to do some things for it to become great. We have to work with him on things. We have to allow him to expose us for who we are. We have to be willing to go through that transformation process in the renewing of our mind with how we think. And what some of us don't realize is that in that hope that Jesus makes everything great, we have an enemy that doesn't want things to be great for us. Who wants to expose our faults to those around us who don't know Jesus. How, how many... Don't raise your hands. But how many have you seen somebody and you're like, oh my goodness, you mean they, they became a believer now? And then you said this, well, let's see how long that lasts. Everybody judges a new Christian. I don't know why we do that. But the enemy wants to expose all of their faults to everybody around them that's not a believer so that they can be torn down by everybody around them and not experience the kingdom of God the way God wants them to experience it. We have an enemy out there that knows our weaknesses, knows our faults, knows what gets us going, knows what's going to upset us, whispers things in our ears. He can't read our minds, but he can plant thoughts in our minds. And when we allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to help eliminate our fault lines and be more like Christ, then when the pressure comes, we will be ready to stand strong, knowing that it all will work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And the process might sting a little bit. Evaluating myself and critiquing myself. And listen, I know who I can ask when I want the answer I want, and I, I rarely ask those people unless I'm having a bad day. But there are people in my life that, that I ask, and on the inside, I kind of wince because I know they're going to give me the answer I should hear. It might sting a little bit, but you know what? They're being honest with me. Allow yourself to be stung a little bit. It will make you a better person. In the long run, you'll be a better person. You'll be a stronger person in Christ. Because when the pressure comes and the faults begin to crack, a lot of people give up on Jesus because they were looking for that leisure instead of likeness.
They weren't prepared for the fact that they were going to have to become more like Jesus as time goes on. They wanted life to be easier instead of putting in the work to become more like Jesus. See, here's the thing. A Christian lifestyle was not meant to be easy. Every one of Jesus' disciples were put to death for their faith. One of them was, was not put to death, but he spent the rest of his life in prison on an island, John. The Christian lifestyle was not meant to be easy. Living in a church family isn't always easy. But there's a uh, pastor, uh, uh, Michael Hansen, in, in Vineyard uh, Church in Delaware County, in Sunbury. He was here, I think, last summer. He, he did this analogy of a tumbler. You put the rocks in the tumbler. We're all going through life in a tumbler. Logan Kessig is always bringing this up to me. You got to stay in the tumbler. Stay in the tumbler. It's not easy. Some of us are a little sharper and pokier than others. But when you stay in that tumbler with everybody else, all those rough edges begin to become smooth and a nice shiny stone comes out. Stay in the tumbler. When, when, you, when you get upset with the people who are poking you in this tumbler and you go to another one down the road, you're, you're going to get poked all over again. <laughs> Some of us do more than others, Chuck. That's right. I'm going to be in the tumbler this afternoon too. But here's the thing. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Here's the thing. It's worth it. It takes effort. And it takes the the willingness to self-evaluate ourselves. But it is worth it because the creator of the universe is by our side cheering us on. Giving us the resources. Giving us the people. Giving us the life group to become a part of. The church to become a part of that will help us get through each day. And here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it with this passage. When, when, when it comes to facing my faults for me, I came across this passage. This passage is going to become one of my life verses. When it comes to facing my faults, the words of the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi echoes in my head. And he said this in Philippians chapter 3. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. And then I skip down to verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. That right there is what gives me the drive to face my faults. I want to be a part of that with Jesus. This right here, what I just read, is what genuine faith sounds like when we examine ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to fill in those cracks in our character. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just, I thank you for this. I thank you, Jesus, for the tough stuff that we have.
The things that you know, God, that are not going to be easy for us to deal with. The things that you know, God, that if we press into them, we will come out as better people. We will, become, we will come out as the person that you created us to be. Life isn't going to be easy, but with Jesus, it can become better. I always say, if, if we take one step, he will take us two. We take another step, he'll carry us two more. That's who he is. So God, I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we, we head into a time of worship here, that if there's anything that was said today that kind of hits home with some of us here, God, that you would speak to us during worship so that we can get those things taken care of. Give them to Jesus and see how he helps you recognize those faults. In Jesus' name, amen.